Welcome to A Year with Jesus, where we're learning how to think, live, and love like Jesus. I'm Bill. I'm Philip. And this is Matthew chapter 28. Man, we made it to the end of the book. Yeah, I'm super excited. I love this chapter for, for so many reasons. It's probably yeah. the most important chapter of all the scriptures, in my opinion. Right, because here's Jesus risen from the dead. Yeah. I mean, if you, if, if you were listening last week and you're listening to the story of Jesus Christ, the King, the one who did all these miracles, all these signs, spoke with all his authority, and he's crucified. And he's put in a tomb, this large tomb. There's guards watching it. He's sealed. You know, the women know where the stone is, but are they going to push the stone away? You're just wondering. You're left with, like, just what's going to happen? And chapter 28 begins, and it's the first day of the week, just like the day that the chief priests were scared about a few days ago. That's right. And they come to look at the grave, and God causes an earthquake. Which I, I love that picture there. Like God moves the rock with an earthquake. He's, you think a stone's going to block Jesus. God's in control of all the earth. Yes. What's a stone going to do? But cause, God causes an earthquake to come, and, and the women come, and they see this angel, and, and they're, I mean, they're just afraid. But they're looking for Jesus. And he says, I know that you're looking for Jesus who'd been crucified, but he's not here. He's risen. Yeah. Yes. So as we look at the place, right, through the eyes of these women— these women come and they see something that is so much better, they're left speechless. That's right. They are in awe of what's going on. And I think we feel that way too. We just stutter and stumble to try to describe how wonderful this good news is. Yeah. Again, you see, like, they're afraid at what's happening. The guards who were watching everything, they quaked. I think kind of like the earthquake, they quake out of fear. They fall like dead men. The one who should be dead is not dead. He's alive. And they're told to go very quickly, and to tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And hey, go, because he told you he was going to go to Galilee. So go to Galilee is kind of the instruction there for them. That's right. The angel is helping them just pick up exactly where Jesus had left off, that all of this has been according to plan. And so Matthew kind of puts in a nutshell in verse 8, all of these different emotions, right? They left the tomb quickly, with great fear and with great joy to go report this to disciples. And I think when we think about Jesus' resurrection, this is a model of how we should all respond. We should quickly accept the tomb is empty. We should quickly accept the risen Savior because he's told us this is what he's going to do. And then there should be great reverence that this is news too amazing mm -hmm. not to transform our lives. This is a God that's too powerful to ever oppose or rebel against. And there is great joy. This is something that we cannot keep to ourselves because it's going to open the very gates of heaven. And and just in case they were potentially like apprehensive about what happened, which the text actually says they left with fear and joy. Yeah. But in verse nine, Jesus shows up to them and he tells them greetings. And they, you know, you just meant they, they take up his feet and they worship him. And I think in part, Jesus is like, no, 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 this things are different now. Go, don't be afraid, but go and report to my brothers to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. And just, again, I, I wonder why does he appear to the women first? The women were at the tomb. The women were searching. The women, and, and then after they hear from the angels, they're the ones willing to go. And I wonder if there's this picture that, like, this faithfulness, their faithfulness is being rewarded by the king. Yes, and they are a model for all of us, aren't mm -hmm. they? In the amazing way they are chosen by God now to announce this good news to the rest of the disciples here. What should we be learning from these women? Again, that, that first, we need to trust in God. Trust in God when everything is great, but also they went to the tomb with no expectations of how the stone was going to be removed, no expectation of how to anoint his body 
body, but they knew they were they were just wanting to go. They had heard the first day of the week and they just show up. Yes. And you just see the faithfulness in these women and then the faithfulness in, in going and going and to tell the disciples of what Jesus had done. And again, at once we are all confronted with the empty tomb, every single one of us have a responsibility to announce to the people around us the empty tomb, to announce that Jesus is alive to not have fear, to have joy, and to go with much expediency. Yeah, to these do are these powerful, things. powerful conversations, aren't they? I mean, these women, they already know the apostles. They've mm-hmm. been hanging out together for years. This is their friends. And the most natural thing for any of us to do is to tell our friends what we've learned about Jesus, to tell other people the joy that is available because of Jesus' victory over sin and death. And so you have this conversation between the women and Jesus, and the women are going to have this conversation with the apostles later on. But there's another conversation regarding the empty tomb that's happening. And it's really between the guards and the chief priests. Remember, they were like dead men. And you just imagine they faint. They come back too, and they go and they tell them everything that happens, so which, which I think is important to note. The chief priests would have known an earthquake happened. The angel showed up. I don't know if they themselves saw Jesus, but we know that an earthquake and an angel showed up. They would have at least known those things to be true. And even then, even still, this unwillingness to accept the truth of Jesus Christ. Yes, the great links that these women go to to bring good news is contrasted by the great links that these uh, soldiers and the chief priests will go to suppress and to deceive people about that good news. And it's such an indication of the kind of battles that we have to face today, isn't it? Yeah, and and really, in some ways, it even would have been humiliating because the the chief priest tells the soldiers to say, you are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while you were asleep. What would it say of the soldiers? And I think part of the idea is almost to cover up this lie, to cover up this unwillingness to accept the truth of Jesus Christ, you have to look a little bit foolish. And I think that that reality exists today, that if people really want to suppress the truth, you inevitably have to look a little bit foolish to do that. And and they say like, look, the the chief priest told the soldiers, look, just do what we're telling you. You know, they gave him a great sum of money. We're going to take care of you and, and we'll keep you out of trouble. And like, maybe they could have kept him out of trouble from the governor, But Matthew tells us that Jesus isn't just a governor and he's not just a Jewish man anymore, that he is the king who has received all authority and received all power. And I'm not sure they were going to be able to save out of trouble from him. That's right. And so it's a great picture for us today that if we buy into the lies of Satan, if we buy into the skepticism and the denial of our world, we have become foolish Mm -hmm. and there's no amount of money. There's no amount of earthly rewards that is going to make up for the loss of our souls. And that's what these men have put on the line. But then we have another group of men. We've got the 11 disciples, which actually have done what they've been commanded. They've Mm -hmm. acted on what has been told. They've shown great faith by going to Galilee to the mountain, which Jesus designated. And now they are worshiping him. Yeah, and again, you even see that. And I think it's important to see, like, some worshiped and some doubted. Think about everything that happened over the last 30, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours. The shock of everything would have been, I think, hard to to grasp. They they need this clarified for them. And so Jesus gives us this powerful statement again that clarifies just what he has done Mm -hmm. by rising from the dead and conquering sin and death. What do you love about this great commission? So I think he has, because he has all authority, this mission that he sends them out to can be a universal mission. I have all authority on heaven and on earth. So go and make a disciples of all nations. I mean, I know if, if, you, if you ever hear my sermons at Umber Hills, you notice that I oftentimes start from this text because I love this text because it helps us understand that anything that's said in this book 
is being said because Jesus has all authority, because Jesus has all power, because we're trying to follow the king. And that's what Matthew has been leading us up to, to help us understand that he is the king and here he is. That's right. And so this king is not limited to one time or one place. It's the greatest scope possible. Mm -hmm. It's inclusive of all of us to all have a chance at salvation because of what he has done. And I shouldn't even say a chance, to all have the door kicked open. That's right. Right? That's to right. have the stone rolled away because of what he has done so that we can become his disciples, no matter what background, no matter what nation. Because mm -hmm. again, if he, if, he, if he has all authority, if he died for all the nations— and he, he died to save all the nations. So to go and make disciples included two big ideas, right? Mm -hmm. First, to be baptized in the name or by the authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have all glory given to God in this passage here and an emphasis from Jesus' own mouth yeah. on the importance of being baptized if you want to be his disciple. That's right. And then not just being baptized, but in conjunction with that, to observe everything that they have been commanded from Jesus. And so again, there's this, you're being baptized in, in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. But there's also this, I am living in conjunction with everything that he's, that he said. And I think we end up having people who want to do one and not the other. Some people maybe get baptized and they kind of never live in light of that baptism. And some people want to just do what God says, but never get baptized. And the King says it's both. It really is. It's not is. one or the other. And now Matthew does something kind of fantastic here in connecting Jesus' final phrase in this statement, that lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I think he's connecting that back to chapter 1 and verse 23, that who was Jesus? Well, when we were introduced to him, he was Emmanuel. Mm -hmm. He was God with us. And so the gospel concludes by showing us that when we become his disciples, when we've been baptized according to his authority for the forgiveness of our sins, and when we begin walking in his footsteps, observing all of his commandments, we have every reason to know that we are walking side by side with Christ in this life and that we're going to be with Christ in the life to come. Yeah, I love the way that gospel begins. I, I, I love that so much. Matthew one twenty one: you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And at the conclusion of the book, that's what you have, is you have the king who is now with us, has saved his people from their sins. And again, just if you look at Matthew as a whole, if you would have been a Jew and you would have read this book, it seems like it would have to remind you of the Chronicles. You know, you have the kings, you have the Chronicles, and the kings were maybe a little bit more depressing. The Chronicles were a little more hopeful, but the Chronicles, first Chronicles would have began with these genealogies and ended with Cyrus's mission to go out into the world to build God a house. And Matthew seems to be constructed in the same exact way. Where that it begins, Yeah, this genealogy. And at the end of build God a house through teaching and baptizing, but it's this hope that God, God's people were going to be found in the gospel of Matthew in the person of Jesus Christ. People who live like Jesus, people who have been saved by Jesus, people who are with Jesus and that Jesus is with them. And that's just such a beautiful book, such a beautiful gospel to read, just to see Jesus the King and to see the people of the king saved by the king who now get to be with him. You know, so we have now the eyewitness record of a tax collector, a man that was cut off, a man that has tried Judaism, a man that has tried being a Roman, and he realizes that really life is in being a disciple of Christ. And we really hope that each person listening to the podcast would make that same commitment 
to give their life like Matthew did in acknowledgement of the power Jesus has demonstrated, the love Jesus has demonstrated, and ultimately the victory over sin that Jesus has demonstrated by being our resurrected Lord. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to A Year with Jesus with us today. This has been the Gospel of Matthew. Next week, we will begin Mark chapter 1.